The Brewers Association and Craft Beer Radio present this recording from Saver 2013 in New York City. This recording is from Friday, June 14th. Unique offerings from Three Floyds, featuring Barnaby Struve from Three Floyds Brewing. So, uh, my name is Sam Merritt. I run a company called Civilization of Beer. We do beer education consulting and also uh, based out of New York for the last several years. But uh, it's a great honor to be able to host these things because it's my town. I, I started selling beer on a bicycle here in 1996, and it's certainly changed. So uh, it's just such an honor and a pleasure to be involved in this. And uh, first, thank Thank the Brewers Association, and also this will be uh, a podcast on Craft Beer Radio, so uh, you will be recorded. <laughs> so, you know, hot seat and all that. But uh, we're going to take lots of questions and answers, and, and uh, you know, if you have a question throughout this, uh, please just make sure I can get over to you or repeat the question. And uh, my question repeating is started to suck over the last hour or so, so <laughs> keep that in mind. But uh, Barnaby, uh, you and most of the brewery people here, uh, I've surmised that you're not of this world, you people. You, you are making things that I never thought I expected to taste in beer, even when I loved beer. So, uh, you know, it's, it's, this is a, a beautiful format to be able to uh, talk about your stuff and talk about what your inspirations are and just kind of, well, let it hang out a little bit and we're uh, going to go through your beers and I'm just excited about it. There's going to be some food involved as well, but, um, well, uh, they send us a bio, you know, of everybody that's that's going to be sort of in these things that I'm hosting. And, you know, there's been five people so far. Barnaby's is like, it was like a haiku, his bio. It was like, likes cats, is a little weird, and from some other land, and that was about it. So uh, I'm glad I don't have too much to work with here because I think that when you're a brewer, you've expressed yourself already with your beer. And uh, obviously, with a sold-out room, your beer speaks for you and speaks for itself already. But uh, it's certainly a treat to be with beautiful beer and also the people that make it. So I just want to say, first, a big cheers. I want to hear some clinks, please. Uh, thanks for coming from all the way from, from out in the Midwest, you know, in the hinterlands. Hinterlands? The hinterlands. <laughs> so there's a little in, town in, called Chicago. In skinny Indiana. Where everyone's skinny in Indiana and better looking than us. But uh, no, it's, it's a real honor and a pleasure. So I guess, I don't know, if you want to start just by saying, hey, you know, what, what's your brewery all about? And like, where did you guys find your inspiration first? And we'll just go from there and go through the beers. But it's well, all you, man. Well, Three Floyd started in 1996. It was uh, founded by Nick Floyd, and he named it after his family, uh, his brother and his father. So the, hence the name Three Floyds. And Nick is a lot like me. He's an iconoclast. And, you know, he just, beer was just terrible in the Midwest. And, and a lot of places in America back then. And it's, 
So it, you know, that's why our tagline is it's not normal because it, you know, it wasn't normal for Nick to be making the kinds of beers he makes in 1996, and arguably it still isn't. So he decided, well, he turned 21 and, of course, dropped out of college and started making beer. So, um, so the, he started it, and the original brewery was a little tiny five-barrel kettle. It was about the size of this table, and it was uh, fired by a wok burner. And the original fermenters were open Swiss cheese tanks that looked like uh, stainless steel bathtubs. And for oxygenating, we used a, a little fish bubbler. I mean, it was about as ghetto as you could possibly can get. <laughs> and naturally, speaking of ghetto, it was in Hammond, Indiana. And uh, that warehouse was a 5,000-square-foot warehouse that we rented for $500 a month, and it's still vacant. So, so we moved into our current facility in the year 2000, and we've been growing steadily ever since. And what we try to do is, although we are um, somewhat irreverent about how we, how we look at beer, we utilize sound and traditional brewing practices to actualize the kinds of flavors that we want out of beer. And, you know, everyone thinks we make all these extreme beers, but we also make a great deal of lagers. Like the one that you're drinking uh, today is our Jinx Proof, which we do a lot of uh, collaborative efforts, not only artistically. Excuse me, my lemmy mic is falling. Um, but also... Uh, we do, it, we do it with bands and we do it with artists. And our friends at Jinx Proof Tattoo Shop in D.C. did the label for us. And we made a beer after them. And they didn't want the super extreme beer. And so what we made is essentially a Czech-style Pilsner. And I, and I really wanted to start out with this one because you'll see it's, it's a very fresh, bright, noble hop smelling Pilsner. And everyone thinks that we just make, you know, dick in the dirt, just... Just, just punch, which we do, but 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 we're also uh, we're also capable of uh, of other things. They even like that. Yeah, exactly. My adoring public. <laughs> so if you um, if you try this, you'll you'll get those sort of noble spicy notes that you would out of a out of a Czech pills. And it's also very um, it's very effervescent and it's got a slight uh, bready sort of maltiness to it, which is uh, kind of nice. So go ahead, kick the tires. Cheers. Mm. It's a gorgeous lager. It's got, um, to me, I, I, I bought, I, I was in this little Jewish deli on 2nd Avenue last night and I saw the cookies and I was like, oh, I was doing a tasting and I was just going to buy like Rudy, a my dozen. Fun, bro. <laughs> Dude, have you ever seen Motorhead? Jeez Louise. <laughs> do you any, need beer anyway. tattoos or no? I do. I have many. <laughs> but uh, so I, I'm in this deli, and sure enough, like, you know, as soon as I walk in with my suit on and start buying cookies, this guy waltzes out a three foot by two foot challah bread. And he's like, Who wants to buy the freshest, most beautiful challah bread that I've ever made? And I'm like, Me? And, and to be around the person that made it and to grab it right away and to have them say, this is my intent, and then to receive that intent is a huge thing. And, and the, uh, part of what we do at Civilization of Beer is to try to preserve that brewer's intent so that, you know, this actual lager, geez, if this spent 
you know, three months sitting in a warehouse in New Jersey, uh, it, wouldn't, it wouldn't taste that great as it does now. And, and, and so this, to me, I, I'm pretty sure this is how this is supposed to taste. Oh, uh, absolutely. And, 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 what, uh, and what you it's said gorgeous. is... And, and that's, uh, that's a huge point, is that <clears throat> if you take nothing away from, you know, what I say tonight, it's people need to realize that beer is a food product. It's made from organic ingredients. It has a shelf life. It can go bad. So it depends on, you know, everything from sourcing the raw ingredients to processing the raw, raw ingredients to packaging it correctly to having it served to you by somebody that's not an asshole in a clean glass you, you know that's, that's very all, hard that's, to that's, do that's all part of the experience it, it all i mean that's you know you know it is i mean it's true you, you yeah. need to i mean no one no one would ever eat a, a, an, a you know a meal off a pa- uh, like a dirty paper plate it's like why should beer be treated the same way you know, it, or differently, excuse me. It, it, it needs to be uh, treated as such. It needs to be taken care of because those of us that are out there in the craft beer world, I mean, we obsess about the quality of our beer, but because of the ridiculous liquor laws in this country and the three-tier system, we have no control over once it leaves our warehouse. So if some, you know, if some guy or girl or whatever has, hasn't cleaned their beer lines in you know, 12 years and they serve it to you and... You know, like flow from Mel's Diner is there. They're, you know, kiss my grits, like giving you the beer. It's just, it's not, it's not what, what, hey, what we grandma, intended. Man. <laughs> <laughs> no. the, the, and there's a, the, there's a meticulous that sort of trickles down. And, and the brewers are the most caring about what they're putting out. And then what happens is it travels through the three tier system, which we have, which I know there's distributors here. You better treat the beer good. But beer abuse doesn't just happen in the home. It doesn't happen in the home alone. It takes it a long time. It happens a lot time. in my yeah. home. But yeah, well, yeah. But it, it takes a, a lot of effort to get something to you guys in good shape. And, like, I would rather not have one of these beers from Indiana in horrible shape and be here than to go or to have something like this where you come with your beer. Because it's not as you intended, and it, a exactly. lot of the time it works out that way. Exactly, and that's, you know, going back to my previous points is that, you know, our name is on the label, not the distributor and not the bar owner. So it's like, oh, those guys from Three Floyds are assholes. They're charging this much money for it. It's like, well, we have, no, it gets marked up 40% and 300%, and it's not our, it's not our saying. And, you know, if it was me, yes, absolutely. I'd clean every glass and make sure you knew about every single drop that you're drinking. But that's not the case, there's unfortunately. A, there's a bit of control that you have to relinquish. You have to, yeah, you definitely have to see control. And uh, what do you think about music and beer together? I've, 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 heard, I've, heard, I've heard music both. before. What do you think of the businesses of both? Uh, in, in their correlation... And, well, and as far as consumption of each and production and distribution and, and how you can be successful as a smaller uh, entity or a bigger entity. Well, I think that it's just like food or any or you know visual art. It's it, it's it's all corollary. None of us got into brewing as a uh, you know to conquer the world. What we wanted to do is we wanted to produce something that has an artistic bent to it that is also you know, it's, you know, it's artistic and we have a passion for it. So all of us, 
uh, and almost almost to a, a brewer that I've met, uh, are they're very very into visual arts. They're very into music. They're very into food. You know everything. Like I mean, everything that's made that's artisanal. You know, and that's and that's what I mean. Obviously, we have um, we have a slight bent towards uh, some more extreme music, but <laughs> nothing wrong at all. Thank you, sir. So we uh, we've we've decided. And also, a lot, of the, a lot of the heavy metal bands and stuff that we like are now, they're, they're our same age. And the, the kids, you know, when we were kids and growing up and we started listening to this music, you know, we idolized these people and we used to hunt down their records. And now I start meeting them and they're older and they're more experienced in terms, just like all the rest of us are. No one wants to eat Nighthawk TV dinners and, and drink, you know, I don't know, Schmirnoff Ice all the time. So, Unless they so want to. Yeah, so we've uh, so we've actually um, we've been very very fortunate to work with um, a lot of bands, and uh, we yeah well, we, I mean and, and I've actually become really good friends with a lot of them. And actually, the next beer we're going to try is uh, a beer called Evil Power, which is uh, it. it's um, it's helpful, it's cathartic. Uh, but it's it is also a pilsner, but it's double the strength of what we just had in the uh, in the Jinx proof. So uh, we'll we'll start off from there, and then we're going to destroy your palate with all kinds of other <laughs> metal beers. So yeah, I had to ask about the music because I, I feel like w- one of the things that we can draw so many parallels with is with the enjoyment of music and people and, and, and parties and eating and drinking. And like, if, if there's a beer pairing and it doesn't work out, you can tell right away. And, and you know, our friend at, at Brooklyn Garrett says, you know, if the music at a dinner party is too loud, you just know it. And uh, it's all about sort of not only getting people to say, hey, here's my pot of stuff. Do you want to try some of that? Because this is what we got tonight. And it's very very communal and also if if you don't like it you can leave which is a also a beautiful part of appreciating any kind of art it's like hey you can change the station you can change the dial you can put you know you can get out of my car if you don't like my music and that's a beautiful thing about it this does not have to be a giant thing that these guys do this they sell every beer uh, don't you sell all the beer that you make Oh, without question. And also it's, you know, our, our stupid taste in music doesn't have to be reflective of, of our beer necessarily. <laughs> it's, you know, the, the, ultimate, the ultimate goal is to make sure that the quality of the beverage, the fluid that's in the glass, that, ha- that is always number one. And then number two, we get to do silly shit like uh, have fun art and work with bands. You know, it's not, it's the, we're a brewery, we're... I mean, number one is the quality of the beer, and it always has to be. Questions, comments, concerns? Please. Yes, sir. How hard is it to make a lager as an American craft brewery? How hard is it to make a lager in the American craft brewery? I had to repeat, sorry. Oh, it's, it's, um, it's no different than making any other beer, but you just have to know what you're doing. It's... It is, I think that, you know, making a beer like Jinx Proof is, that's when you can tell what the, the type of quality that a, a brewery is. Because in something that is a little bit lighter in style and with lager yeast, it's got a much more crisp flavor. It's not as fruity. And, 
and it's not a stout or anything like that. So you, what you actually get is it's much harder to hide off flavors in lighter beers. So, yeah, so if you, well, not necessarily lager, I mean, but to make a, a Pilsner, it's, it is much harder to hide flavors. I mean, anybody can make an enormous imperial stout and, you know, if, depending on their techniques, it might be infected, but you, there's so many intense flavors in there that it might get lost. But when you make a beer that is very naked like this, you can definitely, like any off flavors would come screaming through. So it, again, it goes down to solid technical brewing prowess, using traditional techniques, but also being imaginative enough to make different sorts of flavors with them. And does that answer your question, sir? Okay, good. <laughs> so, yes, sir. So um, how is the experience with McKellar gone and in Copenhagen? Well, get those two to make up, and then, and then, and then maybe then maybe we can. No, we um, we have we love Mikkel, and he's he's a he's a very very good friend of the breweries. We um, will do anything to support him, and we've made obviously a series of collaborations with him. And Yepe's also an, an amazing guy, but you know it's we're still a small brewery, and we would love to send our beer to Brooklyn and Manhattan and all the other cool places that we actually like to go, you know, go hang out with, <laughs> hang out in. But um, unfortunately, we can't. We can't even support our own our own market. So, but but yeah, it's it's fun. And sometimes people get a little bit upset with us. They're like, "Well, you're sending beer to Copenhagen." It's like, "Well, we sent three kegs, dude." You know, it's like. <laughs> It's, it's really, it's, it's a drop in the bucket. But we, we go out there every year for the Copenhagen beer celebration, and, you know, they're good friends of ours. And, and it also it shows, it's, it's indicative of the, col- the collaborative effort. In Copenhagen than anywhere else in Europe. Yeah, it, it's just, but it's nice. It, it, it speaks to the whole uh, craft beer world and also the American craft beer industry and how it's actually now spreading across the world. It's like the judging of Paris with the wines in the 70s, you know? Like, all of a sudden, people are like, oh, shit, they're serious about what they're doing. It's like, yeah, dicks. You know? <laughs> so it's kind of nice. Yeah. That, it, 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 you look at the different countries that are having these, these uh, surgences of diversity and, and lots of small breweries opening, like Italy and Denmark and... Norway and Finland and New Zealand, and the list goes on. And it, it's almost like if you, if you looked at the travel itineraries of these dudes before they open the breweries, you can pretty much guarantee that they're going to, you know, emulate to a certain extent and put their own print on what they've seen here, which is like, hey, that's all right. You know, go ahead. It turns out, yeah, these guys do know what they're doing. And yes, they're technically savvy. They've 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 quit you know regular dude jobs. I, you were a dental hygienist before. Oh yeah, this, of or, course, yes. Yeah, so you know, <laughs> it's like uh, you know people quit serious careers you know to do this, and and, and uh, the inspiration is there. If you read you know Slam, Sam Collagione's book uh, about starting a brewery, or my my buddies from Brooklyn about beer school, you know. You, you get your degree. Oh, awesome. What do you do after that? 
do a, like 14 diff, different jobs and find out what you want to do. And yeah, these are all the guys. You yeah, guys are all the guys that are saying, oh, I'm doing what I want to do. Yeah, our head brewer got a, uh, a sculpture degree from Oklahoma University. And you know, and you all know that's a really reputable art school. And it's it's well, ridiculous. It's, it's, I, yeah, it's a hotbed. It's yeah, like the yeah, Louvre it, over it, there. You it know? is. And I, Oklahoma. Yeah, and I, I graduated from the University of Houston with a history degree. So yeah. I can either lie to children or find gainful employment <laughs> elsewhere. But, you know, but what you were, to, to speak to what you were um, talking about with European countries, it started with Denmark and then, and then Italy because they don't have entrenched beer cultures. But now it's changing. You know, they're obviously like, I mean, obviously Italy has, you know, a huge wine his, history, but they're much more open to different kinds and different styles of beer. But now it's even getting to the point where Germans, God forbid they actually bend a bit, are, 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 are starting to get into, into American craft beer. And so it's so our uh, British people. The theme like of this salon, by the way, tonight, this room, and it was last, last little talk as well, is promiscuity. In all forms, especially when it comes to, hey, you know what? Maybe we should ditch all that stuff that we heard about, like just using four things to make beer. No, without <laughs> like there's many more, right? Tonight. Well, yeah, but as as long as I mean that being said, it's not. You know, people always ask us what we're experimenting with, and I don't, and that that really irritates me because I've been brewing for 18 years, and Nick Floyd for 20, and Chris, our head brewer, for 19 years. At this point, it's not an experiment. We actually have a factory. We actually have a business. We are trying to put stuff out. It's not just like, ooh, look at us. We're wacky. Let's throw some stuff in uh, the pot. And I mean, it, it, doesn't, it doesn't go that way. And so, yeah, we're trying to, you know, and a lot of breweries, I mean, it, it, it's a huge growing industry right now. But, you know, what we really need is more better beer, not just more beer. And I, I sincerely hope that people... Their, their palates and their education are advancing with the industry so they can tell the difference between some, you know, Joe Schmuckatelli who just opened a brewery and those of us that have been around for a long time. Not to say we're the end-all, be-all, because beer is, you know, beer flavor is subjective, but, you know, not everybody may like our beer. You clap, clap, clap. That's, that's fucking awesome. It's fucking true. Um... Let's drink so some more beer. I, I, I want to ask you about the, the immediate future of, of this business a little bit. And, and uh, the Brewers Association informs us a lot about, you know, the statistics and how much beer is selling and what and all of that. And the thing that I've taken away in the last couple of years is that although there's about 2,400, which is awesome, that's a good number of breweries to have in a country, there's like, I don't know. On the outset, maybe three, four hundred or five hundred in planning right now that are going to open in the next three or four years. So my question is, in that context, how much of that beer is going to be like not so good? Well, I, I mean, I could I could never I could never speak to how, what the quality of the beer is. But I guess the um, I think the statistic is on average, one brewery opens every day. In this country, which is great because we're getting back to pre-prohibition era. But, you know, it's what people need to realize is just, it's like restaurants. Just because you make food doesn't mean you make good food. You know, you need to, the, the customer needs to be informed 
and have you know a good palate and realize what is quality and what isn't because I think it's going to be detrimental to our industry if people think like oh they're a brewery it's got to be awesome and then they go drink it and it just tastes like AIDS and then you know so I mean it needs to it needs to it needs to be good beer you know it's hard to sell something that tastes like AIDS cancer or your lawn I'm sorry I've had a couple of beers I apologize yeah I know there's no one here that sells it, but I, my wife used to sell this stuff called Hypnotic. It was blue. That does not taste good. And you can, you're a real pro if you can do that. But there's no blue beer. There will be at some point, but um, it, it's, it's... Oh, shoot. Sorry. Um, so... Let's open it up. Why don't you introduce the next beer? Okay, this the next beer is uh, Blackheart, and I was uh, you can tell I'm I got a couple tattoos here and there, but I was getting tattooed at a place called Blackheart Tattoo in San Francisco by my friends, and one of the tattooers was like, "Well, well, I used to make beer in college. Why don't we do that? That's kind of easy." I'm like, "Hey, screw you, dude!" I'm like, "It's." <laughs> I'm like, how about we make you a beer and you do the artwork? And so we made Blackheart. And what Blackheart is, it's, it's we call it an English-style IPA. But again, we don't, I think that a, a good point that we try to make as a brewery is that brewers should never brew to style. They should brew for flavor. You know, I think that styles have two reasons. To give the consumer some sort of relevance as to know what they're going to actually be consuming. Yeah, because obviously you're like, oh, okay, it's pale ale. Cool, I like pale ales. I'll do that, which is great, absolutely. And the second one is for competition, and who gives a shit about that? So what we wanted to do is we made a, a, a really, really strong IPA, but we used all English ingredients. And then we also aged it on toasted oak chips. So what you get is you get this really intense sort of like orangey, a hop uh, aroma out of it and flavor, but also you get some of the uh, the same sort of flavors you would get from a Chardonnay, some of the vanilla and uh, coconut and oakiness out of it. And uh, it's called Blackheart because, and you know, why the hell wouldn't you want a beer called Blackheart? <laughs> well, so now, who, here, who here has a beer tattoo? You know, how many things do you love besides beer? You know, you have one. What is it? Oh, who wants one? <laughs> oh, I've been, I, I, let me just finish these beers and I'll be giving tattoos down yeah. like in the alley behind yeah, the, yeah. Uh, behind the, between six and seventh there. Yeah, um, I've got, I've got, uh, yeah, I've got a moist toilette that should be sanitary enough, you know? So, so it's, it, do you think it's required of, of a brewery to have an IPA, a big IPA and just like always trot one out? It's not, it's not required of breweries to have an IPA. And somebody actually asked me this earlier when I was pouring down into our little station. But, you know, this is not a, you know, we run breweries. It's, it's not a charity. You know, we, 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 want to, we want to be fair to our consumers because a lot of these are, a lot of these beers are very expensive. But still, we still need to make money doing it. And, and it, to to a large degree, it is market driven. I mean, and so yes, pale ales and IPAs people really like, and by doing that, 
you know, whether, whether people think they're overblown or overhyped or whatever, it doesn't really matter. We like drinking them. We like making them. And, and they people sell really, them. And they sell really well. Yeah. But, but it also allows us to make things like Jinx Proof. Because I, I guarantee you, any, go hang out at any brewer's gathering. We're either going to be drinking cocktails or pilsners. <laughs> you know, because none of us drink shit like this all day. You know, I like just can't. <laughs> Question. Sir, go ahead. Is there any coriander in that beer? Oh, no. Yeah, no, you, you do, and that's, and that's from the hops. You there get, are beers with coriander in them, you, you know, but not these. Yeah. What hops are in that beer? Uh, we use uh, a hop called Warrior, which is just a high alpha acid to a bitter. And, but that could be, we could essentially use any hop to bitter because you're just looking for bitterness, so you're looking for high alpha acid. We like to use Warrior because it sounds awesome. <laughs> oh, no, that's the, and that's from, um, it's a blend of Centennial, which is an American hop, and then a great deal of uh, American Fuggle. And Fuggle is one of the quintessential British hops, because uh, hops grow on the same latitude on the, in the Northern Hemisphere. They grow in uh, Southern England, Central Germany, and... Uh, in the Pacific Northwest over here in the States. And Fuggle is a very orangey, very apricotty sort of uh sort of hop. And it's and it's really nice. And a lot of a lot of times American hops are much more piney and citrusy. So that's why we wanted to try to do something a little different. And then it I think it's nicely balanced with the Yeah, and, and it's nicely balanced with the wood character that we have in there. Many many American IPAs uh rely on the, the Cascade Centennial Chinook situation. And so what you're doing here is essentially saying, well, what if we pack it in with the traditional hops that are from England and, and sort of bump it up, yes? Exactly, but also with a, with a completely American edge. I mean, it's 9% alcohol. I mean, it's, it, yeah. this, this beer is not subtle. And then aging it on oak, it's just like, again, like what I was talking about earlier, it was like, shh. This is uh, one of those beers. Now, if there was a song that you could pair with this beer in particular, what would that song be? No, him, him, not you. No, no, him. <laughs> By the way, ladies and gentlemen, this man could play any song. He is the uh, former drummer from Death and one of my heroes. So... Okay, then, then okay. What, what yeah, would the song be for this beer? I also licked his face last night, I think. <laughs> I'm not sure. So, yeah, what, 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 what would... What, that what, in mind. What song would you pair what with this? a lick in the face and a beer and a song at the same time? Capital of Ghouls, Morbid Angel. Morbid Angel, Capital Ghouls. There you okay. go. Okay, what about you? Same? I'm, I, I Follow to, the lead. Yeah, I just... If you're going to lick a guy's face... I just make beer. You're going to listen to the same song. Yeah, I, I'm, not a, I'm not a death metal drummer. I just like this stuff. <laughs> Beautiful question. If that was a question, I don't know. That, any other questions? We're opening it up a little bit. We have one more beer to pour, I believe. Is there one more beer? Yes, there is one more beer. All right, so let's pour the next beer. And please, we'll open it up for some questions. So. Okay, I'll... I'll, I'll, I'll um. In... Uh, in the, uh, in, in the tradition of what we've been doing with making metal beers and beers with bands we like, the next beer is called Permanent Funeral. 
nice and subtle, right? Um, this is made with a, a grindcore band called Pig Destroyer, for and and it is. He knows it. Yes, and they. Uh, this beer tastes about as brutal as their music sounds. So the official brewery notes, tasting notes from this are: um, it's going to make somebody shit their pants. And then the next one was, um, it tastes like pain. <laughs> so, pain. Pain. But, but if, you haven't, uh, if you haven't listened to Pig Destroyer, they just came out with a new album called Book Burner, and it rules. So that's definitely the first time I've heard the preparation of tasting a beer where it just says, hey, it's going to make you shit your pants. Yeah, that, and that's from our head brewer, Chris. Which is way different than knocking your dick in the dirt. Yeah. No, this is way uh, different. But this is uh, this is a double IPA. It's uh, it's a very strong, very assertive beer. It's very dry. It's very bitter. It's uh. I'm not gonna be happy unless there's a riot in here by the time I leave. So, um, what, while you try this, just uh, if anybody has any questions for me, please let me know. How, how do you figure out like, how to do a, a brew that you're doing on your own, you know, and thinking up on your own versus a collaboration brew with another brewery? And oh, well, with how does col- that process We go? do a lot of collaborations with other breweries, and what we do is, you know, we have... Um, we spend a lot of time trying to protect our brand and also trying to, you know, we've, we've got a fairly good name in the industry, so we, we don't want to just make beers with anybody. But the people that we respect, we will talk to, and they're all our friends. I mean, we, in our industry, it's, it's, all very, uh, it's all very amiable, and it's a very, very small industry. So, I mean, we just made one with uh, Firestone Walker, and, and it was just... It's just fun talking to Matt, just like, hey, what, what, what do you want to do? Like, hey, this will be fun, this wouldn't be fun. And you just sort of go back and forth, emails, talking, whatnot, and then uh, just make the beer together. But what we want to do is, um, moving forward, we will, um, because of the three-tier system and because we are only have a very, very small distribution area, we're going to make one version at our place and then one version at, our, at the other person's brewery. So... Yes, exactly. So it'll be um, it'll be the same beer, but brewed on two different brew houses with the same label, but a different color scheme. So that way, those of you people that actually give a shit about craft beer will be like, "Wow, you can tell. look at look at how different that is," as opposed to the one that was made there. And nice. So that's what we want to do, and it's again, it's it is a very very small industry, and it's really really fun industry because we're all friends and we're not. We're not, the big, we're not the big three, um, you know, the big, like, we're not Budweiser, Miller, Coors, <laughs> fighting, uh, fighting over 0.1% hey, right of now. a market space, you know. We, if, if, an, if a brewery in Chicago needs a bag of malt or some hops, we'll absolutely give it to them. And, or if you need an F key for your keyboard, Sam Collagione will bring it over. Exactly. All right, I have a, I have a, a question from over here. What's your name? All right, first of all, I want to thank you for brewing 
tremendous beer. It's oh, yeah. absolutely phenomenal. Oh, yeah. Thank you very much. Thank you. Two questions, actually. Your favorite style of beer and your favorite band. Oh, boy. Uh, the favorite, my favorite style of beer is the one that's closest to me. And my favorite band will, uh, no, we're, okay, it's constant rotation, obviously, but, you know. No, but like High on Fire is now our house band, so I love them. I love the guys in Pig Destroyer. I love Death. I love the Melvins always, you know. And so it's, I mean, again, it's, you know, with, with styles of beer, it depends on, it's just like food. You don't, you're not going to eat the exact same food all the time. So depending on how you're feeling, what the weather's like outside, where you're at, and that's why craft beer is great because you have such a wide variety like, oh, no, I feel like a pilsner now. Or like, oh, when it's cold as fuck, you're like, okay, great, Imperial Stout. So it's, it's, so it's, it's, it's not as cut and dry as that. Iron Maiden rules to it, by the way. <laughs> it's important. Yes, ma'am. Did you say that you don't sell any beer in New York because you don't make enough for New York, or it's too far, or...? No, we don't. We have... Um, we actually were in we were in 13 states, but we had to pull back because um, our brand was growing faster than our brewery was, and we've grown by double digits every year for the last five years. So we're growing by 30 to 40 percent every year. But again, going back to what I said earlier, it it is a food product, and we have to keep the quality assurance and quality control up. Also, when you wholesale things. It's hard to get revenue. You have to get to a tipping point to where you can actually start expanding a great deal. And right now we're going through a huge expansion. But um, right now, we, like I said, we, we also never wanted to be, um, none of us got into this to conquer the world. We just want to be a small regional brewery. But, you know, if, if major liquor stores can only get two cases of our beer a week, we, we can't be opening up new markets. We have, to, we have to make sure the home base is solidly established. So the follow-up on that is that there are about 100 breweries here in, in New York State right now, and probably 50 or 80 to open in the next couple of years. Do you think that not being able to have your beer, and to, do you think that we'll be able to count on similar, if not equal quality by a few of them, uh, and creativity oh. by a few of them that oh, no. are local. Oh, without question, there there Good. there are so many people in an industry that are so talented and have the right ideas and do the right things. There's, but again, it's just it's you know it's it's up to the consumer to say like, hey, are you doing a good job? Or are you not? And being educated, you know, it's just like. You know, when I started getting into, you know, like wine or jazz, everything seems so fucking esoteric. But once you actually start to learn about something, you learn the jargon, you see, like you realize what you like. the guy that's playing piano is in a different room than the guy that's playing sax. And you're like, what are you guys doing? Get I'm in the same room. I'm and not then you realize, oh. I'm not sure how that applies, but yes, there are going to be quality breweries. Good. Good. But, uh... <laughs> Apologies. I'm here for the bumps in the road, man. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah, right here. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I have a couple of buddies that are musicians, and they've 
just recently collaborated uh, over uh, a passion for baseball. Uh, there's a guy on the Los Angeles Dodgers named Yasiel Puig, and they have named their band Puig Destroyer. And I was wondering, they also have a passion for craft beer, if there would be a potential for some sort of artistic collaboration. Um, w- w- right now we're... Um we're trying to do it with musicians, artists, and um, and other breweries. Um, I have, I'm personally not a, I'm personally not a, a sports fan, but um, yeah, I would love to. I mean, I, I think that I think that the opportunity for this is kind of fun, and it, it and it it opens everything up to it opens people up to our craft beer. Oh no, I know, but it, but I but what I mean is it's. If somebody, if we can do this and open up other markets, and I'm not talking about being greedy and like wanting to open markets, I'm talking about turning other people onto craft beer, then yeah, why not? You know, absolutely. I love it. Barnaby, I'm at your service. Thank you guys. It's done. What a beautiful job. Best one of the evening. Cheers. It's a pleasure to hear you. And uh, Jesus, what great beer. I'm sure they'll be out here in New York eventually, but, you know. And do not go gently into that good night. Thank you guys for sticking it out for the last session. And thanks for drinking that beer. Without without you, we wouldn't be anything. Thank you for listening to this recording from Savor 2013, brought to you by the Brewers Association and Craft Beer Radio. You can find the rest of the salons from Savor 2013, as well as all the salons from previous years at craftbeerradio.com savor or on craftbeer.com. Craft Beer Radio is a weekly beer podcast that you can listen to on iTunes or from our website at craftbeerradio.com. Thank you.